Hello, everyone. Welcome to Lensense Episode 1. Today, we're talking about the idea of gratitude in adoptive families. I'm an adoptive dad, and Lilia is an adoptee, and this topic is one that's often a sore spot in both communities. Let's talk about why. Lilia, as an adoptee, what comes to mind when you hear comments like, oh, you must be so grateful for your family, or you're so lucky you got adopted? Mm, A lot of things. And I want to start by saying, like, I don't represent the whole of adoptees. Um, This is just my experience. And every adoptee has such a different perspective. Um, But for me, when people say things like that, uh, it it's a little bit off-putting just because Mm -hmm. I feel like, um, why are you telling me how I should feel? You know, like that's none of your business and that's, you have like no right. Like that's solely like my thing. Um, I am grateful and I have a lot of gratitude for my mom who adopted me and my birth mother who gave me up. Um, but it doesn't it feels like when people say that they're they're negating the fact that like i was taken out of my natural family and um a lot of the feelings that came from that separation didn't hit me until i was 19 20 yeah um so it, it's not like i grew up thinking oh what was my life because i was adopted it was mm-hmm. more like um, what would it have been like more of a curiosity and then it, mm-hmm. it kind of developed into a trauma. Yeah. <laughs> um, and that's another thing, like, I don't think a lot of people know about adoption trauma. They kind of think of kids who come over from overseas and maybe hoard food. Yeah. They think of that when they think of adoption trauma, but it, it's much deeper than that. It's not just a cultural change. It's, um, it's like that initial separation from your natural. Yeah. I would imagine that it's, you know, there's uh, questions of identity, you know, as we're growing up, you know, particularly those teen years and um, early adolescence, when you're trying to figure out who you are and your place in the world, um, I would imagine that there's a lot of conflict there. Um, as an adoptive dad, you know, I want to make sure that I affirm my kids. Um, if they talk about, you know, bio family, birth moms, that kind of thing, I want to make sure that they know that, you know, that we have love for them because of our connection through them, that it's okay to have these conflicting emotions, you know, um, you know, our, our kids have probably struggled at times with feeling like they've betrayed their bio family for loving this, this new family, you know, this adoptive family and, um, and vice versa, you know, thinking through all of just the dynamics that are there of, you know, the circumstances that could come into adoption um, why or why not, you know, um, I would imagine that all of those questions kind of just sit and build. And when someone says, a, says something like, you know, oh, you must be so thankful, you know, it, it kind of, it's a very simple comment that about something that's very complex, something that's very profound, that has a lot of depth to it and a lot of complexity. Um, I mean, that would be my assumption that it, that it's, it's kind of like minimizing something that has a lot more components than, than people want to acknowledge. Yeah. I I think people just initially think what a good thing adoption, like you're taking a a child out of, you know, poverty or homelessness, but 
you know, like we were saying, it's, it's much deeper than just Mm -hmm. taking somebody out of a bad situation. And um, this is something that I've recently been learning about is um, there's a lot of adoptees advocating for helping impoverished women who can't support their own family Mm -hmm. that might be pregnant. Um, And so they're like, literally, this is the only reason this child is being adopted because their mother is poor. And Mm -hmm. I never really thought about that just because my adoption was a lot different. I was adopted um, privately and um, I was adopted by like a a doctor. Um, Mm -hmm. So you know, my situation was different because, like, my birth mother couldn't keep me, not because of poverty, but other circumstances. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, like, it's just, there's so many different reasons why people choose adoption. Right. Um, whether they're the birth mother or the adopting family. Mm-hmm. And I think it, it comes down to kind of our, as a society, kind of our perspective on adoption. Um, it seems like so many people view do- adoption as like a, a rescue story, you know, that, that, you know, this child was in need of rescue. This family came in and they rescued the child. Um, and it's, there's, there's not enough attention to the fact that oftentimes what they view as a rescue, you know, story for the child um, left the, the parents or the, the, the bio family, um, you know, behind um, left them with, you know, with, with no support and no help. Um, that's one of the reasons I love programs that, um, that provide assistance to, um, to young parents in crisis or to families who are struggling, um, that are looking at the, at the you know, how they're going to care for this child. How are they going to tell care for this, um, this, um, person that they've got, you know, to, to keep alive and healthy and stable and to teach and, um, and there's not enough supports out there. I don't, I don't believe. And when you talk about adoption um, as a, as an industry, which a lot of people kind of look at it as an industry nowadays, I think um, particularly with, with families looking for infant adoption or baby adoption um, rather than going through um, say foster care or older child adoptions or special needs adoptions. Um, but this idea of, of adopting a child because you can't have kids. Um, I think those are all like just, you know, um, factors that, that make the idea of telling a child to be grateful that much more. Um, I hate to keep saying complex, but it's, I don't know a lot of words for it just to talk about the complexity of it, the depth of it. There's so many different perspectives, so many different, scenarios that you can talk through but none of them really leave for um none of them are without trauma let's put it that way none of them are without pain and loss um and i think too often that goes un um on unnoticed yeah yeah i definitely agree with all of that so i guess my question for you is how do you feel when people tell your children, you know, like, oh, I bet you're so happy and grateful and thankful? Yeah, it's, it's definitely hard for me because I'm, you know, I'm, 
I've sat with them and, you know, through their tears and through their questions and um, their confusions and, and just, you know, prayed with them and talked to them and, and try to, as, as best as I can, you know, affirm and invalidate their emotions and their feelings and, and help them navigate, you know, the confusion that they often feel. And because um, it, it's a lot for a child to manage, you know, it's, it's, it's even complicated for, for adult for us to talk about it. Um, but imagine a, a child that's navigating those things and they don't really understand the emotions behind um, or the, the motivations behind these feelings that they've got um, about their about their history. So when I hear someone say, you know, oh, your kids must be so lucky or, or we be they've told us often, you know, your kids are so lucky to have you and and they must be so thankful <laughs> they're here in your family. And um, and I try to direct the conversation around and say, you know, actually, you know, we're, we're grateful that we have this opportunity to kind of redeem something that's been broken. Um, I try to direct the conversation away from the rescue story and more about redemption, because I feel like rescue says everything before was bad. And that's not generally always the case. Um, but redemption says, you know, something was broken, something didn't happen the way it should have. So that what can we do to, to make that better? And so, as an adoptive dad, I try to focus that discussion there. I learned very early on that, you know, being passionate about it um, doesn't uh, doesn't always end well when you become real defensive and try to set everyone straight and always fix the terminology and the wording and, and everything. So I, I try to find a way to focus the conversation better without making a, an argument out of it. Although sometimes I think that it is important to, to really speak up and kind of set things straight. Um, but I feel like it's, it's something that's so widespread. It's, you know, how can we, how can we help people better understand, you know, how can I help society stop saying these comments that are so, so common? Yeah. Well, so in the times that you were really passionately advocating for your kids' feelings, um, were you being met with like a lot of hostility or just like people being offended by you advocating? Well, I think people aren't offended, but people, when you correct terminology or when you redirect the focus, um, people are real quick to want to you know, ease everything over. They want to, you know, um, oh, that's not what I meant. I know it's, you know, it's got to be difficult or, you know, they respond kind of with those types of, of things. But I don't think people realize that those comments, they they sit with the kids, you know, that oh, there's a lot of times we hear something in a passing conversation that really didn't have a whole lot of of meaning or, or importance or value, but for whatever reason, it just sits in our minds um, like a weight and our kids, when they hear comments like that, or when they're asked questions from other kids, and that's the other thing, you know, my kids, most of the comments they get aren't really from adults. They're from their peers. Um, you know, my daughter, she came home, um, one day and said that a classmate had asked her, you know, where are your real parents? Did they not want you? Um, and those are those are tough questions to navigate when you're 12 and 13 and 11, you know, um, to come home with those questions. And they just kind of they sit with the child and then they end up affecting that child's identity. My daughter that 
heard those types of questions, you know, she struggles with, you know, her value as a person because, you know, what, where does, where does she get her value if she feels discarded or if society views her as discarded? Um, and so it, it really speaks to that deeper idea of identity whenever we t- say, ask someone about how thankful they are or how grateful they are. Um, it's almost like, you know, you weren't worthy of it. So you should be thankful that someone picked you up kind of, kind of thing. It could be worse is, is I feel like what is understood by that question. And so as a dad, I think I'm usually more offended than the, than the other person whenever I'm, you know, you know, speaking up or saying something, um, because those are the things that come through my mind is I want to protect my kids from those emotions and from those feelings, but I can't always be there. I can't protect them from the comments they hear at school or from, you know, as they get older from their peers and their friends and coworkers. And, you know, as they get a good bolt, other people, you know, I, I don't think people mean anything mean by it. I think in, in most every situation, uh, a person's just trying to make conversation and be supportive. But their, their ignorance about kind of the process and, and the, the complexity of everything can yeah. lead to wounds, can lead to hurts, you know, in the comments that they make. Yeah, you know, I got a lot of those same comments as well growing up um, from my peers. They, like, it really bothered me when they would say real because I'd be like I am with my real mom like Mm -hmm. she's the one that's raising me uh but if you're talking about my birth mother like I would always correct and I I I wouldn't like um I wouldn't get like super offended because I know that they didn't understand Mm -hmm. um so I felt like a lot of my upbringing, I was a lot of my adolescence, I was educating my peers <laughs> about yeah. my situation. Like, no, like I, I was adopted, but like, it's not a weird thing. Like I was adopted at birth as well. So mm-hmm. like literally my whole life has been with my adoptive family. And so that's, that's who I know. That's who is family to me. Right. Um, and I always welcomed a lot of questions because I'd rather people ask me questions than make assumptions and feel sorry for me. Yeah. Um, so I, I would always say like, hey, if you have a question, I don't mind. Um, or people would approach me and ask me, actually. They'd be like, do you mind if I ask you a personal question? And it always have to do with my adoption. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, so I, I like when people ask questions um, and you know, I, I don't get too offended when people say, oh, you must be so grateful because I know there is kind of a lack of understanding if you aren't an adoptee or if you don't have an adopted person in your family or right. life. Um, so I don't I think, too offended. Right. And I think that's the, that's kind of the key, you know, when when people hear comments um, as an adoptee or adoptive parent, when you hear those those questions or comments is to to always kind of err on the, the, the side of, uh, of the, the person didn't mean anything, you know, cruel by it. You know, most people, their intentions are not bad. And, um, and I think help focusing on the fact that their intentions were, um, were legitimate as far as just making conversation or being supportive or, or just genuinely asking questions helps to, you know, 
to navigate those feelings or their emotions. Um, and so I think that's, that's a good that you pointed on that. Um, one of the things that you said, though, that I want to ask you about is, you know, you mentioned the idea of, of real. And, and we talked about, uh, I mentioned that with my daughter, you know, she was asked, you know, where are your real parents? And, and you said you, you did a lot of educating, you know, telling people that this is your real mom and kind of correcting that terminology, the wording. Um, what about in cases, so like, I feel like that, that term real is one that is kind of met with controversy sometimes because, you know, I've been one that says, you know, I'm their real dad, you know, doesn't matter blood, legally, whatever. These are, I view them as my real kid. I love them and would give my life for them. You know, there's, there's no distinction there. Um, and I, and I believe that all of my kids, you know, would say the same thing about us as parents, but in my work with adoptive families, with older child, children who have been adopted, um, those that were adopted, you know, after, you know, speaking and after and have, who have memories of their bio family, um, you know, caring for them, um, or even in with foster families, kids who were adopted from foster care or just that have that background, that, um, that extra component um, to their history. I think really struggle with the idea of real because for them, if the if their if their ability to think abstractly is not developed enough for them, it's almost to invalidate their history by by making them say that they're by that their adopted family is their real family, if that makes sense. So I like I've had conversations with other adoptive parents who you know, they're, they're sticklers for, for getting their kids to say, you know, this is, I'm your real mom. This is your birth mom. I'm your real dad. This is your birth dad and, and kind of forcing this terminology. But I feel like if the kid's ability to, um, to think through all of that and understand all of that is not developed enough, then it almost for them gives a sense of invalidation to their, to their history. What are your thoughts on that? Um, I think, I mean, I, I really think it depends on, I, I think the best way to approach like those terms is to ask an adoptee how they refer to their family, um, whether it's their biological or their adoptive, um, just because for me, like I said, like my real mom is the mom that raised me right um, but like you were saying for an older adoptee or even somebody in foster care like they they really do refer to their biological parents or maybe like another relative that helped raise them as their real family mm -hmm. um and so I, I really think it's like kind of a case by case and and just like I stated at the beginning like this is only my perspective as an adoptee. I can't speak for everyone. Oh, come on, um, Lily. You can speak for everybody. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I have been trying to, you know, gain perspective from other adoptees the last decade, the last 10 years of my life. Mm -hmm. um, and, and so, yeah, like I, that's what I've come to the conclusion is that there's like a lot of different opinions and beliefs within the adoptee community oh, as yeah. far as like what terms they use and how they feel about, um, you know, the, the miseducation around adoption. Mm -hmm. There's been a lot of adoptees who were not adopted by 
I, I don't know. Go ahead and it, say it. Be direct. Good people. Just <laughs> they were adopted by good people, um, or they had something bad happen within their adoptive family. Yeah. Um, and it, honestly, these are all things that could happen within a natural family. You know, right? Family that's you know not have uh, they don't have adoptees. But, um, you know, there's always that feeling of, well, if I hadn't been adopted, maybe none of this would have happened. Right. You have cases where the trauma of adoption is compounded is because of um, because of the things that happened post-adoption, because of additional trauma that's, that's experienced and suffered. Um, yeah. But, yeah, and I'll, I'll say, you know, it, it is amazing to me the, the breadth and variety of perspectives from adoptees. Um, I, just a few years ago, I remember having my eyes open to, um, like, I didn't realize how many adoptees, um, were struggling so much with resentment and bitterness towards, um, towards their process, you know, as, and I'll admit I was ignorant, you know, I was in my, in my mind, I, I didn't consider, and as, as now that I'm, you know, years past this, I, I've repent of it, but I remember, you know, when the, my eyes opened to um, these struggles that so many adoptees were having, it, I felt convicted and I felt repentant that I was, had been so ignorant and had never considered their perspective. Um, and I think that's one thing that, you know, a lot of organizations and, and people are trying to do nowadays is, is to give voice to adoptees. And I think for so long, that's not been that's not been the case. That's, you know, it's, it's always been the perspective of the adopter, you know, this, and I think that's one of the reasons that society views adoption so much as a rescue story and kind of doesn't focus and, and just um, ignores the fact that, you know, the kids have, that are in this situation, their history is, is difficult and the losses that are, that are there, you know, that we, we can't just wash over, you know, what happened just because we have paint a pretty picture of a, of a happy ending that for so many is not a legitimate happy ending. Um, I, I've seen stories all the time of, of kids that come in and, and, you know, parents don't connect or there's additional trauma in the home or something happens to the child or the, the adopt is difficult and the parents divorce. And then there's, you know, there's, there's so many stories out there where it, it wasn't, that wasn't the case. And you talk to so many adoptive parents who have struggled. This is not what I expected. This is, this is more difficult than I thought it was going to be, or, um, or even regret. I, I can't tell you the number of parents that I've talked to their adoptive parents that said, you know, this was way too hard. I kind of wish that I'd never done it. And those kind of things are, you know, are just, um, they, they, blow my mind <laughs> um, because I can't imagine that being my reality. But I think the problem is that so many people have gone into it expecting something because they weren't well-educated. Um, and so I love that you said, you know, ask an adoptee, ask me, ask someone else. Um, and I think it's important for anyone considering adoption um, to not just talk to adoptive parents, to find out, seek out those adoptee voices and listen to them as well. Um, I know that's really been one of the major things that has changed my perspective on things and helped me 
better understand my own kids and how I can better support them as a parent. Um, because that's my ultimate goal is my heart is for my kids to be happy and healthy and to overcome all the obstacles that have been placed in their lives, you know, before me and even after me. Yeah. You know, I think, um, reaching out to adoptees and getting their perspective is a great thing, but I also, I think we would be doing everyone a disservice if we didn't talk about how there's a lot of adoptees that um, would discourage families from adopting or mm-hmm. they, they would um, talk about how it's not the best option, but it is an option. Um, and I think a lot of adoptees uh, prospective parents don't like hearing that yeah but I don't I don't think it should discourage them from adopting Mm -hmm. and I also don't think it should encourage them to you know call out adoptees for saying those things because um it's not just about like telling parents or prospective parents like don't do it it's more Mm -hmm. of like please be aware of this before you adopt and know that it's not going to be easy. I mean, it, you never know, you know, it d- depends on your child and their experience, but just expect at some point, you know, they go through some kind of identity crisis and don't be offended yeah. by that. That has nothing to do with you. It has to do with their adoption. Um, mm-hmm. The fact that they could have been somebody totally different had they grown up in a different situation yeah, I love that yeah. you said don't be offended by that um I know I know for me as an adoptive dad there have been moments where my kids um particularly one of mine that was an older child when we adopted him um struggling with you know those all those emotions and comments and it's so tempting to say you know well this hasn't been fun for me either and this has been you know to be honest this has been at times utter hell <laughs> the yeah. things that we've gone through be thankful because you know I didn't have to do this that you know and there's there's that kind of that temptation to to yell that because you feel like you're not being heard which I think it's so important for adoptive parents to understand that don't get offended when your child is struggling and and is not capable of seeing the work that you've put in because they're too busy dealing with the hurt and the the pain and the things that they're having to deal with. Um, you know, and I think that's why it's important for adoptive parents to have good support around them, um, to vent to, um, so that they can avoid those kind of situations. But yeah, I love that you said that don't get offended when your child is having, you know, those questions and, and going through that crisis or even says comments and makes and statements and says things that, are hurtful or, you know, whatever, everyone wants to be appreciated for what they do. I mean, that's, that's just reality. You know, any person who's working a job wants recognition from the boss, you know, everybody wants recognition for what they do. And when it comes to adoption, that's the same, it's the same thing, you know, parents want their kids and and not just adoptive parents, all parents, biological parents, they want their kids to be appreciative of the work they put into raising them but there's a reason that people say parenting is a thankless job you know your motivation (laughs) is not to be 
to be, you know, not to get thanks out of it. The, the purpose of me being a parent is not so that my child can say, oh, thank you, dad. You know, my purpose right. is to is to grow and raise a, a person that can be a productive member of society, you know, and carry right. on certain values and, and moral standards and to help them overcome the obstacles that are in their way to teach them to live and to support others. You know, those are the, the, the tools. If I'm going into parenting, if I'm adopting because I want someone to be thankful for me, because I want for somehow for this relationship to validate my meaning in life, then I'm going into it for the wrong reasons. Yeah. So what would you say is really helpful in getting through, you know, quote, the tough times as an adoptive parent? Oh, goodness. I, um, <laughs> a lot of margaritas. <laughs> um, no, yeah, it's it's hard getting through those tough times. I think the main thing is support, having people that you can talk to. And that's not just you, having people your kids can talk to. Yeah. Um, I think the number one thing for me is having someone I can vent to and having someone my kids can vent to, having both of those. And one's not less important than the other. They're both necessary. Um, having my kids have someone that they can call when they're having a bad day. That's not mom. That's not dad. Someone that they can, you know, because they know they they love us and they don't want to say things that hurt us. So when they're having those conflicts, you know, they don't want to say, you know, Hey, I feel guilty for loving you or, you know, I'm really missing my, my bio mom today. I'm really having a hard time because I really wish I could give her a hug or, you know, those types of things. They don't want to say that to, the adoptive parent because that's that's hard for them they're that's scary yeah. or they feel guilty and and so I recognize that I understand that and, I, and and as much as I say you know that's not that, that I'm okay with that obviously there's going to be jealousy in my heart there's going to be you know feelings of inadequacy in me and and it's okay that we can all acknowledge that and so I would say getting through the tough times is making sure that, that I have somebody I can vent to and my kids have somebody they can vent to that those hard emotions can be validated because emotions are valid. There's going to be times where adoptive parents regret their choice because it's so hard. And there's going to yeah. be times where the, the adopted child is bitter towards their adoptive parent because they're facing a difficult hardship. But those are just realities. I mean, as much as we would like to ignore that and watch over it, that's the reality of the situation. And you need, you need a party a person who is safe and confidential that you can express those things to rather than bottle them up. And so I think, yeah, for, for both the parent and the, the kid, they need a safe place where they can just let those emotions out so that they don't consume them. Definitely. Um, and I will say that like, I, I would sort of vent to my friends um but it wasn't until I like entered therapy that I realized the importance of exactly what you're saying um because I I often would push my feelings aside and say like no I am in a good situation I have a good mother um loving siblings you know and then that would be what motivated me to get through life which is you know it's that's not enough um and so I ended up hitting a point in my life where I just was not motivated to do anything because I felt like a failure as a child and 
a person. And so then enters me into a therapist's office. Um, yeah. And I literally just unfolded completely. Mm-hmm. I just like kind of vomited my feelings <laughs> out. Yeah. <laughs> and then every session after that was her pushing me to just talk. And like, right. that was the challenge for me because I didn't like talking about myself especially my feelings and so she would just sit in silence and she'd she'd say like silence is okay too you know whenever you're ready whatever you want to talk about and and like one of my first sessions I started talking about all of my siblings and all of their problems and she just stopped (laughs) me like okay what does this have to do with you yeah I was like what are my siblings she's like yeah but that's not your life that's their lives (laughs) yeah okay (laughs) Um, so yeah, I, I definitely would say having somebody advocate for my feelings and push me to express them. Mm-hmm. Um, like literally one of my assignments was to, whenever I felt like crying, not push it down and just let myself cry. Mm-hmm. Um, and it that sounds so silly, but for me, that was like so hard. <laughs> um, cause I would only cry when watching movies or I don't know something that something external yeah exactly it would never be in self-reflection right (laughs) do you think that like do you feel like this idea that you should be thankful for your situation um you know being adopted being with a good with a good mom you know do you feel like this idea the society kind of pushes prevented you from being able to to process those emotions and, um, you know, conflicts. Yeah, I, I do feel like I, I felt obligated to, you know, be great and do good things because of my situation. Um, but it wasn't until I was like 19. No, actually I was 18. I was still at home. And my mom was like, Lilia, you know, you have every right to be really depressed and very sad, but you, you aren't. And I was having an emotional moment and she just validated, you know, what I was feeling, you know, that was the first time that I felt like you know, somebody was looking at me. Yeah. And cared about what I felt. Mm-hmm. Um, not that my mom never did that before, but you know, she was busy raising four other kids, sometimes five or six. Yeah. <laughs> we had a lot of people in and out of our home. Um, and she was a single mom and she worked 12 hour shifts, like three or four days out of the week and often worked like an hour away maybe two hours away um so you know she didn't have time all necessarily to you know make me feel seen yeah well let me ask you this as we get ready to to close this episode um if i think we should both look and say what is one piece of advice you could give to an adoptee uh, about how to handle those emotions. And I'd like to, to say one thing to adopters, to the adoptive parents, 
um, what is one thing that you, um, one piece of advice you would like to leave with um, adoptees still in their home, still in their families, younger? Um, um, oh, hold on. Okay. Okay. Um, I would say, sorry about that. It's okay. That's um, life. <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to build a home. Um, I would say, whew, don't hold it all in and don't feel like you're a bad person or a bad daughter or son for feeling like you're stuck or for feeling like sad or angry um whether you're angry at your adoptive family or you're angry at your birth parents um I've definitely experienced all of that and Mm -hmm. I would say don't hold that in until you're an adult (laughs) yeah and I think that goes for anybody I think so you know Additionally, yeah, you know, just especially don't be parents. afraid to don't be afraid to be disappointed. That's it's okay to be disappointed. It's not, Ooh, yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I think we adopted kids, particularly, but just in general, people we get we're afraid that if we're disappointed, then we're letting someone down. Um, and, you know, and as much as I would hate to know that my kids are disappointed in me, uh, as much as that would hurt, I, I recognize that that's a reality for their situation. And so just don't be afraid of disappointment. And I, and I think that's my advice for adoptive parents is this, if you adopted and it's hard and it didn't go the way you expected, and it's not as easy as you planned and um, the, all these emotions are coming up, it's okay to be disappointed. It's, I think, I think that would probably be our, our piece of advice to everybody is, yeah, it's, it's, I validate those emotions. It's okay to feel them. It's okay to be disappointed and um, frustrated and even to have moments of regret and, and conflict, but it's reality. And it, we don't get anywhere by ignoring those feelings. It's important that we acknowledge them, that we embrace them, and that we learn, you know, how can we respond to them in a healthy way going forward? How can we make yeah. sure that we respond to these emotions so that they don't dictate our lives, you know, in a negative way? And so, yeah, I think that's that's great advice um, for adoptees, um, and I think it's important for adoptive parents. Um, but yeah, well, Lily, I'm going to let you get back to your housework and I've got some things I need to do today. I really enjoy talking with you and I can't wait for our next episode. Same. I'm excited. All right. Well, you take care and everybody who's listening in, thank you for joining us.